All right. Well, uh, so a couple weeks ago, uh, we tried to set the context for Psalm 51. Um, we talked about um, David and his sin uh, with Bathsheba and his sin with Uriah, murdering Uriah. Um, and, and we talked about, I think we, we listed up here six or seven of the Ten Commandments that we, we think David probably broke uh, in that episode in his life. Um, we noted that a couple of those commandments um, required the death penalty. Um, so we, we recognized from that that David's sin was significant. It was a big deal, and it was, it, was, it was a big enough deal that it was called that he had done what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and that really caught my attention the first time I read it because, again, I said this a couple weeks ago, that's what they said about Manasseh, and that's what they said about Asa, and that's what they said about, you know, some of these some of these kings that we know to have been evil, um, and uh, so so we know that that David's sin was significant at, at, at that point. And then we we looked at that, and then we looked at Nathan's confrontation of David, um, and you know, some of the folks in the class were were noticing that David was incensed, you know, with with Nathan's story of, of the man who had stolen the lamb and he said that man deserved to die he was so angry with that man um and in reality he didn't deserve to die but 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 david based on what he had done did deserve to die and that was the point of nathan's that was the point of nathan's rebuke and then you know he he uh god god spoke through nathan and talked to to david about how he had scorned basically everything that he'd given him and everything that he had done for him everything that he had given him wasn't enough and he had to do this one thing and he said you despised me by doing this so you know this is Nathan God speaking through Nathan to David directly saying you you despised me by doing this so um, again what we saw was that this is a big deal, um, but then we saw Nathan's response, I'm sorry, Nathan, David's response, and David's response was a very humble, very direct, I have sinned against God, and he just agreed. He, 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 knew, he knew he was wrong, he knew where he was, he agreed, and he said, I have sinned against God, and, and he showed real humility there, and uh, um. So, so that was what we did a couple weeks ago. Then last week, Gary and and I apologize, I did not get a chance to listen to the, excuse me, the podcast. Uh, but Gary talked last week about what David, what made David different, and what made him a man after God's own heart. Um, so, with that as context, what we're going to do this week is start working through, and we're going to go verse by verse through Psalm fifty-one, um, and we're going to try and talk through. Um, what we see in David's re- restoration. Um, I have it broken out. This is the way I think the psalm breaks out, and this is my thought. Um, verses 1 and 2, he's showing humility before God. And then verses 3 through 6 are David's very humble uh, confession and ownership of his sin. And then 7 through 13, he begins to ask God for, for grace. You know, he's, he comes before him to begin with, and he, he talks to him about needing mercy. But then he, he begins to ask for grace and, and things that, that, that he, is, he is hoping that God will do for him. Then verses 13 through, that says 14, it should say 17, 
uh, or David's response is as he begins to say, hey, as you do these things for me, I'm going to, my, my life is going to change and my life is going to be a response to what you've done for me. And then 18 and 19 are kind of a picture of what restoration I think looks like. Uh, there are a couple ways you can look at that and we'll talk to it when we get there. Um, but that's kind of how we're going to, we're going to start this out. So what I'd like to do is I'll go ahead and start with Psalm 51. I'll read the first couple of verses and then we'll step back through and, and get into the meat of it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So here you have, you know, a very contrite David, um, a very uh, humble David. And he starts out uh, by saying, have mercy on me, O God. Um, and, and I'll ask the question, because I'd like to hear what you guys think. What is he asking mercy for? Compassion. He, yes, he's definitely looking for God's compassion. He's counting on that, isn't he? Absolutely. So in ladies' Bible class, um, we've been using a book by Michael Card. And Michael Card has a word that appears in Hebrews a lot called hesed. And it's the one... When you, the one whom you deserve, nothing gives you everything. Mm -hmm. And that's what David's asking for here. He knows he deserves nothing. Yes. But he's asking God to give him everything. Yep, absolutely. That's that's exactly right. He's, that's absolutely. And that's Hesed? H-E-S-E-D. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Any other thoughts or comments? On the, on the top of mine, it talks about the adultery with Bathsheba, but... Isn't he asking more for mercy for the killing of her husband? So at this point, I'm not sure. If we're... No, that's perfect. And uh, actually, um, that was what I thought the first several times I read it. Um, I, I thought, but but it kept sticking with me, and I kept thinking, wait a minute. When when Nathan finished and David said, "I have sinned against God," Nathan's next statement was. Um, God has taken your sin from you. You will not die. So David already knows when he starts writing Psalm 51, he already knows he's got, he's already got mercy. He's already gotten mercy for two capital offenses and nominally five other of the Ten Commandments that he's broken. He's, he's harmed a lot of people. He's, but God's already said, I've, I've taken that sin away from you. Um, so, what I think, and I think it's, um, I think it's borne out throughout this psalm as you see the things that David's talking to him about. He he does. He's not talking about a specific sin. He's talking about creating me a pure heart, O God. He's talking about giving me a give me a steadfast spirit, give me a a willing spirit. He's talking about heart change, and he's talking about. So I think that David is talking about something much broader. And Lynn, I think the way you said it is perfect, that Hesed, um, he deserves nothing because, because you know, and he'll say, I've, I'm sinful. I'm, I've been, I was sinful from birth. Um, I think that's what he's asking mercy for, um, is, is the, the, the condition of his heart. And I think you see that as you go through Psalm 51. Um, 
So, but, but that said, he knows he's got a problem that only God can solve, whether it is those two sins or that set of sins or whether it's the entire condition of his heart. He's got a problem he can't solve. He can't fix it. Only God can. Um, and he knows what his sin deserves. Um, he knows there's no sacrifice he can offer for this. That He knows there's nothing that he can do. And he's, he's simply humbly acknowledging before God um, and asking him not to give him what he deserves. And he deserves a lot. Um, he's entirely reliant on God. And this is totally different from how Saul responded uh, to, to Samuel's rebuke in uh, 1 Samuel 15. I'm going to read that real quickly. It's 20 through 22 if you're, if you're going there. Um, and we'll start at 19. Samuel says, Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And then Saul says, But I did obey the Lord. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites, and I brought back Agag their king. Agag their king. The soldiers, they took sheep and cattle from the plunder and the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Um, so he argued. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, you know, you're right. You're right. I sinned against God. God told me to do one thing. I was completely disobedient. He didn't do that. He made excuses. He went and set up a, he went and set up a, a memorial for himself. Um, and then when Samuel, in another place, when Samuel talks to him, um, he says, okay, I sinned, but would you come back and worship God with me um, so that I will look okay in the eyes of the people? Um, so, so Saul wasn't concerned about that. David here, as he as in this opening phrase, "Have mercy on me, O God," is talking about uh, how uh, it, it is so totally different from Saul's response, and it's the kind of response that we've got to have as we as we come across these things in our own lives. Um, Not surprisingly, Saul, Saul wrote no psalms. <laughs> that's, that's a very good point. It's a very good point. Um, you know, something something else that struck me uh, about this is uh, is some scripture from Luke eighteen nine through fourteen, um, and this is Jesus talking, and it's the uh, parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that real quick. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I, I thank you that I'm not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And, uh, and Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, couldn't David have responded differently than he did? Coming to, coming to God and, 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 and asking for mercy. He, he, he could have responded. He was the king of Israel. He was... Uh, 
Samuel had said he was a man after God's own heart. He knew what Samuel said. He knew how God felt about him. He'd been living with God his entire life. He'd, he'd killed lions and, and bears. He killed Goliath. God had equipped him to be the king of Israel. His spirit was with him. He knew. And he could have, he could have tried to rely on all of that. And he could have tried to, to take issue with this, but he didn't. Um, he was very humble and very, very, very humble. Um, so, why is it important to be humble? Why, why do we care that, that, that David was humble? Why does, why does that matter? One of the chief things comes up continually in Scripture, and it's listed as one of the seven things that God hates, is pride. Yep. And when we are uh, happy with ourselves, with uh, who we are, and not feeling, not recognizing what David's expressing here, uh, there's very little room for God in that kind of heart. Yeah, yeah. God does not want us to be depressed, but he wants us to recognize our need for him and his grace. Yeah. And then, because of that, to glory in that. Yeah. It's not from us, it's from him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's uh, that's absolutely true, Gary. Thank you for that. Um, a lot of bad kings throughout the Bible, so it's nice to see somebody who's who has humility. Yep. A champion, you know, for us to follow. Absolutely. To, to know that he was forgiven. Yeah. For his sins and stuff. Yeah. Um, I think uh, in in David's life, whenever he had an issue with his conscience, he made a difference. He he did not give in to it. Yeah. He made a difference and wanted to make it right. Yep. He didn't give in to a reprobate mind. Yep. And so he wanted to be right with God. Yep. He, he knew he messed up many times, but he made himself, he made right with God. Yep. And um, he, he lost and <coughs> things happened to, with his children and his family and yep. things went really bad. Yep. But made right with God yep. and we need to be that way I mean things aren't always that easy we've got to pay the consequences for what we do yep. but we don't give up on God yep absolutely absolutely yeah yeah and, and, and I think I think his humility and, and particularly his understanding of his need for mercy um, it, it is the motivation I think you see it throughout this psalm um, I, I don't think he would have been restored if he had not understood uh, how how much he needed uh, that mercy. Um, I know that for me personally, um, from the time I read that phrase, have mercy on me, O God, this psalm had me from that point on, and, and it just pulled me in and drew me in because I, I was at a place in my life where I went, that's exactly what I need. That's exactly how I feel. This is this is really really important and 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 it it just pulled me right in. Um, 
So Karen made a point uh, a couple weeks ago when we were when we were talking through this, and she said she needs her Nathans, and she pointed out and, and sort of said that there are some of her Nathans are in this room. Um, I think I think we all need our Nathans, um, and where would David have been if if it hadn't been for uh, Nathan at that point? So, and where I'm going with that is sometimes you have to be willing to be a Nathan. I think. Because David needed to know, I need to go before God and ask for mercy. He needed somebody to help him see that. And I think that's really powerful. So that, that was just sort of another little takeaway from me. Um, okay, so uh, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love and according to your great compassion. Um, so... He's talked about how he needs mercy. Now he's talking about God. He's talked about what he can't do, what he doesn't deserve, or what, what he does deserve and doesn't want. He's talked a lot about that. Now he's talking about who God is. He's talking about um, unfailing love and great compassion. And David knew who God was, and he trusted that. He knew it from the very beginning, and he knew it. I personally believe he knew it from Exodus 34, 6. Um, so Moses has asked God to show him his glory. And God says, I'll put you in a cleft. I'll put your hand over, my hand over you. You can't see my face. But sure, I will, I will, I will allow you to see my glory. Um, and then as he does that, he proclaims the name of the Lord. He, he proclaims his name to David. Um, and what he says is, and this is, uh, again, Exodus 34, 6. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. So David knew what God said about himself, and he took that at face value, and he believed what, what God said about himself. So when he came to God and asked for mercy, he wasn't doing it because he had something that he could call upon. He's resting entirely upon God's nature, what he understood of God's nature. Um, and and we've, we've got to do the same thing. We've got to get to the point where we understand the God we serve and who he is. Um, I, I'd like to pop over to Psalm 103 and look, look at verses 8 through 13, because this tells you what David knew about, what David knew about God and why he was willing and able to um, come to him and, and, and ask for mercy the way he did. So verses 8 through 13, Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's who David was talking to when he said, have mercy on me, O God. He was talking to this God. Um, I, I memorized this particular scripture 
because I felt like I needed to understand a little bit better who God is. Um, and, and I worked my way through, you know, I'm, I'm in David's prayer journal, the Psalms, and I'm working my way through and, and, you know, this, this just, it, it, it spoke to me. And I, I think it's important that we, again, know who God is because that's who we put our faith in. That's who we can trust, uh, with, with our lives and, and, and to ask for mercy. Um, I think it's really, yeah, I think, that's yeah, my note there. So David had ex- Exodus 36. Um, we have the Psalms. We have a lot of other things. What else do we have, though, that David didn't have that helps us understand the character and nature of God? Exactly. That's exactly right. We have a son and we have a spirit. So David knew from Exodus, David knew from the Old Testament um, who God was. We have his spirit in our hearts um, and we have his, uh, his son as, as our atoning sacrifice. We know who God is because God was gracious and merciful and compassionate and loving enough to sacrifice his son for us. Um, so I think that's pretty powerful and it helps us uh, to get to that point in our lives. And with the son there, in Hebrews he talks about how in Hebrews seven twenty five that Jesus is continually interceding for us that's right uh, David is appealing to the Lord here because he's not not sure if anybody else is right but a, a huge blessing for Christians on this side of the cross is right. the continual action of our high priest yep absolutely absolutely yeah yep. thank you for that yep amen Okay, um, so according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. So, one of the commentaries I read uh, (laughs) said that David essentially exhausted the Old Testament lexicon for words for sin in trying to get across uh, his understanding of what he had done when, when he talks about blot out my transgressions, you know, it, it transgression, it's, it's transgressing God's law. It's willful rebellion. It is disobeying God. Um, so that's what, that's what he, so he starts out with that. I did that. We've got all the examples. We know, we know exactly what that was. Wash away all my iniquity. Um, look that up. Um, and iniquity talks about wickedness. It talks about perversion. It talks about pollution. So now we've gone beyond the, the sins that David committed. And now we're starting to, David is starting to talk about, it's not just that I sinned. It's that I'm a sinner. It's, it's, uh, it's the condition of my heart. I have iniquity that has got to be washed away. Uh, and then cleanse me from my sins. 
and that is essentially missing the mark with his entire life, right? Um, so he, he makes it very clear. Um, he, he, he knew the depth of his sin, and he wasn't trying to avoid it. And, and I, I think that's pretty important. Anytime you're trying to overcome, you know, sin in your own life, you've got to recognize it and you've got to understand it. And you've got to realize where you are in life and, and where you are uh, and, and that you, again, need that mercy. Um, Joe, it is interesting, and maybe it's just a grammatical, but he, he, twice he uses the plural transgressions, mm -hmm. but he always comes back to my sin. Mm -hmm. Is there more to that than we know, than I know? Okay, so the plural was... Uh, so, Transgressions. Me. Transgressions, iniquity, and then cleanse me from my sins. Um, well, you hinted at it when you were saying transgressions <laughs> seem to be a multitude right. of things that he have done. He has done. But he is concerned with his heart. He's, that's exactly right. And you see that throughout this psalm. And that, that's one of the footstops here. He's concerned that his iniquity be washed away. He's certainly concerned about the transgression. He's certainly cer certainly worried about his sins, um, his missing the mark. But I believe that what he's looking for is a new heart that, that gets him through this. Um, absolutely. And he talks about he, he talks about things like blotting out my transgressions. Well, when you when you blot something out, you're either cleaning off uh, a stain or or wiping off an impurity from something, or in a legal book or a legal document, you're blotting out a record of sin. So that's what he's talking about there is blotting out that transgression and washing away the iniquity and cleansing from his sins. And I think I think David is looking back to. Um, you know, the, the, the washing and cleansing that are a lot of the rituals that are laid out in the Old Testament. Um, so those are the words that he's talking about using, or that, he, that he's using there. And he wants, he wants his sin and his guilt completely removed. Um, he wants it blotted out, he wants it washed away, and he wants it cleansed. Um, and again, he believed what God said about him himself in Exodus 34 because you know again he's talking about he used the same words forgiving wickedness which is iniquity rebellion which is transgression and sin so he believed God when God said this is what I do this is what he believed about him so um, and then I think it's I think it's really important so David was asking for this um, but it's important to understand that we already have it. We already have it in Christ. Um, I'm going to look at Colossians 2, 13 through 15, um, and, and I think that'll, that'll highlight for us. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the legal having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us 
He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. So David knew his sins. David asked that they be blotted away, washed out, and cleansed. And, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, as, as, as I was reading through this and I was thinking through this, um, I, I thought about it and I went, well, I need to understand my sins and my, my, my iniquity, but David's worried about getting these things cleansed. I don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. That's already been done for us. So any, any other thoughts or comments? Yeah. 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 I think so. I think so, Richard. I think. I think that's exactly it. So, yeah. All right. So, so that covers sort of the first two verses. Um, so, David is humble before God. He he wants. He knows he needs mercy. He knows he's got a problem he can't solve, and only God can. He knows who God is, so he's not afraid to talk to him about it. He knows that God has already said, this is what I do. So he's willing to ask. Um, and then he, he, he gets right after it and says, you know, this, this is my sin. This is what I've done. He doesn't try and avoid it. Um, and, and, and I think that's all uh, how you have to start as you, as you move towards um, being restored. Okay, so starting with verse 3, David begins to sort of own and confess his sins. He's, 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 he started out, he's been humble, now he's going to talk about it, uh, his sins a little bit more directly. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Um, he, he's well aware of what he's done. You know, we sat and, and talked about David's sin in, in a class and we listed out some stuff and we talked about, you know, we came up with a list of good, good 15, 20 people, um, starting with Bathsheba and going all the way through God himself, um, of the people that, that, that David had hurt. Um, he was he was well aware of that he didn't need anybody you know after Nathan talked to him he didn't need anybody to um, to to help him understand it he's he's aware and he says I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me well I I, I think if you're in the process of restoration I, I think that's absolutely true um, He's he's uh, he's constantly aware, aware that he's not meeting God's standards. Um, I think his conscience accused him always. Uh, I think there was depression. I think there was uh, a constant sense of pain. Think about uh, for me as I as as I kind of thought through this. For I know my transgressions, my sins always before me. What are the what are the mental tapes he had to be playing in his mind? For, for this whole time. Um, you know, he, uh, some of the people that, that, that he harmed, he betrayed, were, were people that he, he had to have thought back to fighting side by side with Uriah or Eliam, um, you know, 
and 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 then recognizing, you know, these guys probably saved his life a time or two, um, and and then recognizing, realizing I betrayed Uriah by by taking his wife and killing him, and I betrayed Eliam by dishonoring his daughter. Um, reflecting on how he had scorned God's blessing. I, 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 I think if it were me and I were David, it would be very, very difficult for me to get Nathan's, you know, God's rebuke through Nathan out of my head. I think it would, I think it would turn over and over and over again. Um, you know, God, God talked about how he had despised him, had utterly despised him for the, the things that he had done. He talked about I gave you this, I gave you that, I gave you this, and if that weren't enough, I would have given you more. And he, he, you know, if, if it were me, I would be thinking back, and I would be thinking, you know, I didn't fight the lion and win. I didn't fight the bear and win. I didn't fight Goliath and win. I didn't become the king of Israel on my own. I haven't led these people on my own. God did that for me, and look what I did. Look what I did in response. Look what I did in return. I, I, I think there's a lot of pain uh, in that phrase. Initially, I didn't see it, but, but the more I read it, the more I thought, wow, I, that, that I think is a man who is in pain. Um, Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4, talk a little bit about how he might have been, well, how he was feeling, because uh, there's a lot of evidence that Psalm 32 is written after Psalm 51 um, and, and kind of talks about the same situation. Um, in verses 3 and 4, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So, That that sounds that sounds to me like depression. Um, that sounds to me like um, constantly ruminating on what you've what you might have done wrong, um, and it sounds like it even could have been physical. That that it could have actually gotten to the point where he was in physical pain. His bones were wasting away through groaning all day long. So this is the kind of pain that he was feeling when he says, "I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me." This is the kind of pain we're talking about. This is this is what this is what was happening with David at that point. Um, so, and then verse four: "Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight." So, what about all these other people? <laughs> This drove me nuts when 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 I when I when I first read this. I went, wait a minute. We we had a list of we had a list of twenty twenty five people up here. How how does that work? Um, so so I'll throw it open to the class first. Does anybody have any thoughts on that? How 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 did David get to the point where he he could look? He could look God in the eye and look everybody else in the eye too, because this was a public psalm. It was written for public worship, and everybody knew what drove this psalm. How could David write that with everybody knowing what they all what, what they knew about his sin and what the impact that it had on countless lives? 
may have realized that God is the only God as opposed to other gods. Kim? God is the only God? I, yep, I agree with that. Or that you can only sin against God. You can do bad things to other people, maybe, but maybe the context is you're, are you sinning against them? Uh, or are you really just sinning against God? Yep. And Ron, I think I think that's where I think that's where David was. I, I think David would that, and I think that's what he was trying to communicate was, look, I did some stuff that hurt a lot of people, but sin, God, you are you are who defined what sin is. You're the one who said this is sin, this is not. Um, you are the judge. Of, of of all humanity based on what you've what you've declared to be right and what you've declared to be wrong um, so um, so yeah I, th- I think that's I think that's absolutely it I think I think his point was that although his sin impacted a lot of other people he had transgressed God's law um, and since it's God who determines what's right and wrong and will ultimately judge all right and wrong it's God alone against whom he sinned um, so, if that's the case, why why is why is that even a big deal? Why why is it important that we understand that our sin harms other people, but it is entirely against God? Why why does that matter? And and any any thoughts on that? Which part of it is the follow up in that verse? Um, that's just the beginning of a statement, and he says, "So you are right in your verdict and justified when you." Yep. Absolutely. So if God is the one that he transgressed, God is the one who is right to judge. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's a great point. Thank you. I hadn't thought about that, actually. So one of the things, um, and I was, uh, I was thinking through this and trying to understand this, and the way you know, every now and then you, you get kind of an epiphany. Um, um, if it's God alone that we've sinned against, then it is God alone that we absolutely must have forgiveness from. Um, and and that's, I think, we can look at our sin we can you know david could have looked at the tapes he played in his mind or could have played in his mind maybe he could have said i harmed uriah and i harmed eliam and i i harmed with bathsheba and i i harmed all of these people i i gotta focus on getting making it right with all these people and he could have missed the boat right he could have missed the boat and he could have spent the rest of his life working on trying to make up for what he had done to harm others. And he could have missed the boat on against you and you alone have I sinned. I have to have God's forgiveness. And then I can work on restoring and, and repairing those other relationships, right? Um, that was that was one of the things that really struck me um, was, hey, I... I got to make God my 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 highest priority, and that's not to say, by any stretch of the imagination, that, that there isn't a lot of work to be done, you know, in 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 working with others to come back from our 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 sins. But 
if you put if you put it in the right order and if you get your relationship with God right, then I think it gets to the point where you can you're you're equipped and you're ready and you're able to get those other relationships back back where they need to be and you can you can you know uh, restore other relationships. Um, yeah, and then I, I, I one, one of the little bunny trail I went down at one point was, well, if God's the only person I've sinned against, do I? And I knew the answer, but I needed to go and find, you know, uh, think through it a little bit more. Um, is it do I do I do I focus on those other relationships? Do I focus on that other harm that I've that I've done? And and and, and of course, the answer is obviously yes. You do. Um, Jesus in Matthew five twenty three and 24 said, If you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the, at the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come back and offer your gift. Um, so our sin is against God. But we've got to, we, we, we do have to maintain those relationships and we do have to do what we can to reconcile to, to those that we've harmed, without a doubt. So, any thoughts or comments on, on any of this so far? Okay. So like Jordan said, the, the second half of that verse is, so you are right when you speak and justified when you judge. Um, you ever have a conversation with somebody and uh, you're uh, you're wanting to defend yourself, you're wanting to um, stand up for yourself, you're trying to you, you maybe kind of defend yourself a little bit and uh, and they just continue to speak truth and you finally say, you know what, you're right. It's hard to do, but, but, but I think that's what David is saying here is you're right when you speak and you're justified when you judge. Um, he agrees with God. He doesn't argue or make any excuses. He knows he's right, and he humbly says so. Um, and again, this is different from what Saul did in, uh, in 1 Samuel 15. Uh, he argued. He made excuses. Um, and and that's, not, that's not what, what God's looking for. Um, I think it's a really good example of what submission looks like, actually. Uh, David submits to God's justice, and he knows that he's going to do what's right. Um, and uh, I think he knows he's going to do what's right no matter what. He's already heard his judgment for his sin um, with, uh, with Bathsheba and, and Uriah. He understands what's going to happen to his household. Um, and and even then he he is submitting to God's justice and saying you are you are justified when you judge what you what you have chosen to do for me is uh, or or how you have chosen to judge me is right. Um, that's a scary prayer for me. Um, you know, a, a lot of times I will pray, God, I, I I don't know what I don't know what is right, but but I I trust you. To do what is right and and to um, to move me in the right direction and and then you know I'll get done and I'll think 
well, I wonder what I wonder what that's going to bring into my life because a lot of times, what is right, is really really hard, um, and it and it it, it is. Uh, but that's the kind of faith David's showing here. When you're you are right when you speak, and you're justified when you judge. Okay, and then verse 5. Uh, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Um, I think this is where I first realized, okay, David's, David's not talking about, David's not talking necessarily about sin with uh, Bathsheba and, and Uriah. I, I've, I've been sinful from birth and sinful from the time my mother conceived me. I, I have a, it's not that I have sinned, it is that I am a sinner um and uh and, and he's acknowledging you know I have a problem it's a lifelong struggle um Paul said something similar to that in Ephesians 2 3 when he says by nature we were deserving of wrath um so you know that is Paul kind of fleshing that out a little bit um So I want to look at Galatians 5, 16 and 17 to kind of round out that thought a little bit. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the Spirit, the, the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. So Paul is talking there about what what David is saying. You know, surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Paul is talking about the the uh, the desires of the flesh and that fleshly nature, that sinful nature that we have. Um, and so, you know, you you've got that from David, and you've got it in the. Uh, in the New Testament as well, it's certainly uh, very well established that we all have that sin nature. But I think um, this is what what David is after. I, I want to fix this sinful from birth problem, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Um, and uh, and and certainly, I think we can all, you know, we get into a situation and we we're disappointed in what we've done. Um, maybe we feel exactly as David has felt all the way through this. And then we feel like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm sinful from, there's, there's nothing I can do, but I need help. And actually, guys, I think that might be a, a good place to, a good place to cut it off for this evening. I made it through verse five. <laughs> So uh, I have one word for you, and that would be Jude. <laughs> um, do you, do any any thoughts as we're as we're kind of wrapping up? All right, we will pick it up at verse six next week. All right, thank you guys very much. Thank you. You, you bet. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the East Side Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. 
And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.